0: Hello, today we are breaking down all things The Mandalorian. We're going to talk about the new games and some speculations. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a co pilot. All this and more on Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. So what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three, where we're going to have something a little bit more special because that is right. As I've said in the intro, I have a co-pilot. So let's get a little backstory on you, Brian. What What's mm-hmm. your very first Star Wars memory?
1: Um, So my, my fondest memory of Star Wars is actually when I was like really, really young, like five or six or so. And it's really funny because... Uh, at the time, like VHS was, you know, the, the the thing everybody was doing. All the kids were putting tape over the back of VHS tape so that they could record things that were on TV. And my older brother was into that. And what happened was, if I re- remember this remember it correctly, my older brother was late getting home one night, and there was the Star Wars marathon where they were going uh, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. And when he got home, he was only able to record Empire to uh, to uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And because he was only able to record those, we had one VHS tape <laughs> that had only those two movies. So for the <laughs> longest time, I never even realized that A New Hope existed. Oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting here. Yeah. To, yeah. To so I, I, I watch. I watch. I'm watching these these movies, and they're like, "Oh, there's one more," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because I um I actually had something very similar. My first memory or movie I ever saw of Star Wars was actually Return of the Jedi, because that came out only about a year or so um before I was born, because it came out in '83. I was born late '84, um, and things like that. But I that was the first one i saw but then i remember being at my godmother's house and a new hope was on and i was the same way i did not realize that it was this separate uh, it was before i was like wait what <laughs> but uh, so <laughs> that's that's funny we had a very uh, similar similar experience and things but um So, yeah, and one of the ways that me and Brian know each other was we actually went to community college together. Oh, my God. Many moons ago. Uh, What was it? It was like, what, 2004 to 2006, I think?
1: Yeah, around there.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. uh, That that was uh, almost 15 years ago.
0: Oh, don't. Please don't put it in that. Oh. God. Well, funny though, I was thinking about kind of our times at Coffeeville and things. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is really the name of the place, Coffeeville. Look it up. It is a town that is probably has more cows than people and you can drive through it in 5 minutes. Um, but I was thinking about it. The person I Do you remember you and I were the ones that we went to go see Revenge of the Sith in the cinema together? Yep. And yep. I remember we both had that moment when like the mask is coming down and like the cinema goes completely silent and the the air pressure and he takes his breath for the first time. We were like kind of like hitting each other like, oh my god! So yes, so yes, we we were.
1: I think we we were both really freaking out.
0: Yes, very much so. It was very cool. So that's that's another thing. But um, I'm not and gonna if,
1: lie. We, we did not look very cool, but it was very cool. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, I think most people who are Star Wars fans or do like, things to this nature, like podcasts or streamings or things we're cool in our own way. But yeah, probably to like outside people, they'll be like, wow, that is really cool nerdy especially back then because star wars wasn't as big as it is now i mean it was it's always been big but i think now with the sequel trilogy everything has blown up i've blown up at the fandom like i've always been a fan but oh god this the sequel trilogy has really got me really to like fanatic stage to, to the point people at work are like yeah you're yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but yes, that actually leads in to where we are broadcasting from. So today's broadcast is from the planet of Mandalore. And actually, this is one of Brian's favorite planets. So I'm going to hand it over to him so he can give you a few canon facts.
1: Mandalore was a planet located in the Outer Rim territories. It was the homeworld of the Mandalorians, a fearsome and warmongering people who fought the Jedi and raided the temple during the fall of the old republic. Wearing distinctive armor, they were feared throughout the galaxy, and had political influence over two thousand other star systems. Years after are years Years of war left the planet inhospitable, forcing the Mandalorians to live within do- domed cities. A pacifist regime came to power at the end of these wars, led by Duchess Satine Kryze. or It's either Kryze or Kreeze, I'm not entirely 100% sure. While those who refused to give up their warrior ways were exiled to the moon of Concordia, during the Clone Wars, the new Mandalorians were overthrown by Darth Maul's Shadow Collective though the Galactic Empire would rule the planet after the war's end.
0: Great! So that's a little bit of some canon facts and now we're going to dive in a bit deeper because Brian was actually telling me right before we started recording that actually Mandalore has a very interesting tie and culture into real world cultures and things. So I uh, didn't know if you wanted to kind of start saying what you were telling me a bit about like how it's similar to Japan and yep. things like well, that. well um
1: one one of the things be- before we get into this is that uh, the um, so George Lucas and even Steven Spielberg, both of them also always always say that their mentor their their um, what is it, uh, inspiration their directing mentor and inspiration has always been Akira Kurosawa, so mm. the two of them all have different um, di- different aspects of their movies will sometimes have Japanese elements to them, and George Lucas. Was was great at putting those elements into Star Wars. What's actually really funny is like if you look at like Darth Vader, uh, his helmet is based off of a Japanese samurai's helmet, mm. and even the the lines that run down the side of it are actually a part of a Japanese uh, helmet the helmet structural design. And according to some of the people here, they say that it's supposed to resemble um, a famous. Uh, samurai from uh, Japanese history in the Miyagi region, known as uh, Date Masamune. Mm. So, uh, so also, there's a lot of. Wasn't there?
0: Wasn't there also um, even in the lightsaber battles? They, I might get the wrong martial art here, so you have to help me out. But uh, is it Aikido that they had it? They were Kendo. holding. It. Kendo! That's it! Sorry. Um, They were uh, having it more of like a very much like a kendo kind of stance and holding it with the two hands. Because I remember um, Alec Guinness, who was a fencer by trade, obviously very Shakespearean theater trained. It was very weird for him to hold it like Mm -hmm. that. So, um, So I knew that aspect, but I didn't realize about the helmet design and things.
1: Yep. So, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of other things we could go into. My my funny the funny thing is, is like and I know this is a little off topic, but even like when I first saw Rogue One, Rogue One felt like an amalgamation of three different traditional Japanese stories thrown into one. Really? Yes.
0: <laughs> Almost nice. entirely. Uh, I loved uh, I loved Chimwe Iriana. I can't say his name quite right, but oh, uh, Donnie Yen. He was awesome. I wish he lived, but yes. Sorry, spoiler alert. If you've you've not seen Rogue One, that's not even a spoiler anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so getting back to Mandalore with Mandalorians. So Mandalorians were a warring people. So... I'm actually really torn on which side that they're on, because Japan has, um, like, the territories that the old warlords would have, there was just so many of them, and they were all, like, clustered together and everything, so somebody may have, like, an area that they were controlling that was very small, but they had huge influ- influence over that area. So, and during the warring period in Japan, the, they would fight with each other all the time, which was seen as commonplace even in Mandalorian space. But it's also true about the Vikings, and the Vikings actually expanded out much farther, so I'm actually torn on which one it better represents, because mm. it, it's, it, it's strange like that. The only thing that's, that's, that pushes me more towards Viking instead of um what is it japan is that vikings didn't really have a caste system whereas japan and traditional japan had a caste uh, system
0: okay yeah that's a bit different yeah
1: so i mean there there were ways to jump uh, jump your caste system in japan like uh, like somebody could you could move but it was very rare so that's uh, that. That's the only thing with that. But the funny thing is, is that um, uh, a lot of the way that uh, the Mandalorians would conduct themselves, it, it was done kind of in a, uh, a a Japanese way at the same time.
0: Mm. Okay because um, yeah, there's, because it's interesting uh, this this whole episode is going to be very textualized because I've been learning a lot about the Mandalorian culture because I've been wanting to kind of get into cosplay and I've been just scratching the surface of course I've looked at like the 501st which I'm seeing I am definitely a Pathfinder detachment uh, at heart so those are the Scout Troopers, the Shore Troopers the um, the Patrol Troopers and now the Mountain Troopers I don't know who decides who's what detachment but I'm seeing those are like the ones I always am like, oh, those are cool. And they're like, oh, it's a Pathfinder. Go figure. But another costume society or club, whatever you want to call it, is the Mandalorian Mercs. And they have kind of a CDLA costume... CLD? Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget what the, what the terminology is. But they're a bit more, not lax, but... Um, The guy, uh, the guys started it basically, and you can go to the website. You can get the template for the armor, and then within, once you become like an official member, you can then become a brigade, and then there's more specifications. So, like, say, like I'm looking at doing a pistolier, so that person has to have like two light guns, and you have to have, you know, various parts of your costume. So I've been even learning like the terminology, like VOD and VOD, which is like a group of Mandalorians or a singular mandalorian and it's it's really quite fascinating kind of learning about the culture and things to the point i've even have a character to already figured out and decided uh Montera may is her or sorry Montera mare is her name and everything but yeah it's it's a very long drawn out how i got that name it's mountain ocean all sorts of stuff mixed into one um but yeah i will I will write about that somewhere I'm not gonna go I could talk an hour about that but we're not um so yeah I just I I think it's it's very interesting and I I wanted to see kind of now that you've given a history or kind of a background on Mandalore and things do you think we're gonna see this in this new series the Mandalorian like with uh Fion uh, what's his name uh the director, um, not John Favreau, which, by the way, mm-hmm. I've worked—I've worked with John Favreau on two projects, and it's funny. I kept like sitting there going, "Come on, say something about the Mandalorian, say something about the Mandalorian," and he <laughs> didn't. But guys, I've been saying this in a lot of my videos and things. It's going to be awesome. He—he he is so passionate. You know, he was passionate about the Jungle Book and the Lion King. And all the thought he puts into every decision, he's going to give that to the Mandalorian and it's it's going to be exciting. Are, are you excited for this show, Brian?
1: I, I am super excited for this. I just I really want to know if it, this is going to be uh, Mandalore like like old Mandalore or is this going to be new Mandalore? Because they are wildly different from one another.
0: Well, it takes place
1: after Return of the Jedi. After okay, so then it's uh, it's new Mandalore. <laughs> yeah.
0: So correct me Bye. if I'm wrong. That's when so they've now been separated into two factions. You have the pacifists are on Mandalore, and the warring people are on the moon, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. And it's it's basically it it the 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 two factions are so wildly split from each other, and their and their thought process is so wildly split from one another. One basically behaves similar to the imperialists in the, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it's a Sengeki, Sengeki Jidai, the Sengeki Sengeki-jidai the warring period, not the warring uh. period but the, the samurai warring period where the samurai was fighting the government because the government wanted to change to a different um, uh, what is it? Uh, a different structure. So the samurai are basically the, um, the Mandalorians on Concordia and then the imperialists or I should say the, the nationalist samurai were the ones that are on Concordia. And then the imperialist samurai would be the ones that would be on Mandalore.
0: Yeah. Do you think that this, that George Lucas and Dave Fioni, that's the other guy who did, um, he did, uh, Clone Wars, and he helped with Rebels, and he's now one of the super... He, he basically brought the lore of Mandalore, ba chink mm-hmm. to life with the Clone mm-hmm. Wars. I confess I have not seen it, so sorry. What I was getting at was, do you think that they really knew all this kind of Japanese slash Viking history, or do you think it's just kind of human nature that of spled through with their storytelling? About, I, kind of. I
1: think it's a little bit of a mix of both what I honestly think uh, is 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 happening is that George Lucas obviously tells people that this is inspired from this this is inspired from this and then some people instead of doing like a lot of homework and a lot of research they take bits and pieces and just kind of throw them in there as kind of like kind of I, I think it feels more like a throwback to George Lucas mm, gotcha Gotcha. So I don't think that it's like somebody that literally went went out and like read everything there is to know about the 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 that warring period between like the government and the samurai. I think that they maybe maybe read like the uh first couple paragraphs of a Wikipedia article <laughs> and then be like, "All right, we'll just throw that in there."
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I am um I'm I'm very excited for the Mandalorian because like we had said uh, before we started recording the big news was that Boba Fett and Jango Fett are actually not technically Mandalorians. They mm-hmm. the the new canon verse now is saying that they basically stole the armor. So. I'm really interested like we could we could dive into fun speculation like so it's Pedro Pascal is playing so it's a, he's not a big man but um, yeah it's interesting if you look at the helmet the helmet didn't have the little rangefinder on it like Boba Fett's did and things right. but it, it is uh, oh man my my Mandalorian Merc fans are probably gonna kill me I think the helmet style is Death Watch because there's a couple different styles of helmets. Right. Um but so it's very similar style which I think they kind of purposely did because then people are like, "Ah, Boba Fett." But um yeah, I I am very I, I yeah, I'm really interested to I don't know if they'll tar- talk about the clans and yep. I mean, to the point, there's even a line in Battlefront 2 now, because now you can play as Obi-Wan, and I guess there's a massive story arc with Obi-Wan and Satine that you had mentioned earlier. They're actually love interests, and Mm -hmm. I believe, I think it's Darth Maul kills Satine, um... You know, because somehow he grew legs and came back and he wasn't actually cut in half. That's why people don't believe people are really dead in the Star Wars universe, because look at Darth Maul. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that I think that's my cool, the coolest Mandalorian look. There's actually like helmets that are Mandalorian helmets, but then have the horns like the Zebrax or Zebrax. It's the, oh, mm-hmm. it's the coolest thing. I would I would love to make that, too. I am um, oh, I lost my thought. Shit. So anyway, I'm, I'm quite interested to see how they're going to tackle this in the TV show. Like, what would you like to see? Because you're also big into kind of like a Western kind of lo- lone gunfighter, and that's how they've kind of described uh, yeah. this this TV show. So what are you hoping to see?
1: So I'm, I'm looking at like how, like a thought process of the the main character. So obviously the main character is obviously a Mandalorian, but this is after, like, all the the, the, the major wars and conflicts. Um There's obviously tensions that he had, like, he's, I, I'm assuming he's from Concordia. Mm. And not from Mandalore.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And the thing is, is that, like, my thing is, is, like, uh, with, uh, with the, when the net, uh, I'm a huge Punisher fan.
0: Mm.
1: So for the Marvel, from the Marvel universe. So when I saw what they were proposing with this, there's like, oh, they're going to make this kind of lone gunman probably either merc for hire or some something along the lines where I don't want to say it's going to be like Rogue One, where you have somebody that has an alternative motive, but then halfway through the story changes to help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wonder if they're going to run with something like that.
0: I mean, and I guess that because, yeah, I mean, I, I also think I think it's going to be a limited series. Maybe and this was something maybe we can touch on as well a bit later. But um, I I mean, it could be just an eight episode, eight to ten episode arc, or it could be two seasons, three seasons. Obviously, it depends how it does. But um, I think that's also a stronger storytelling, too, because if someone's not... If, You know, it's a bit boring if it's the same person and there's no, you know, inciting incident or conflict or, you know, reversal, then it's kind of a bit boring to to watch. So, no, I have a feeling it's kind of one of those, I'm thinking almost, um, is it True Grit, the Western where the old gunfighter, like,
1: befriends the girl? Yep, that is True Grit.
0: I'm wondering if it might even be something a little bit like that, like... I don't, and also, it's funny, when I'm doing my game streams, I'm either in the world of Star Wars or Red Dead Redemption, so I'm kind of, like, going, oh, well, maybe, because, like, in Red Dead Redemption, there's da-da-da-da-da. So, um, I don't know, like, <laughs> kind of taking that Western theme to it, but um, I just love that... John Favreau is having these throwbacks to things that are so minuscule like they had the the rifle which was from like the holiday special which was actually Boba Fett's first introduction. It wasn't the Empire Strikes Back. It actually was this god awful holiday special that everyone just like would like to forget ever happened. What are you
1: talking about it is amazing. Oh. It's so amazing that there's there's a, a rumor that George Lucas tries to get it off of YouTube every year around Christmas. <laughs>
0: I just oh my god it just it is uh, so
1: horribly wonderful you should you, it's one of the, it's one of those things that y- you don't watch it for the content you watch to see how horrible it really is no this is true and that's what makes it more fun <laughs> Anyth- yeah I- I- if you played a, if you played a drinking game where you had to take a drink every time there was a corny joke you would be drunk within the first five minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow okay Um... Okay, well, that that's completely fair, but um, I I just I um, so I and also that I think it was R five what was it R two D five, the red mm-hmm. droid that blew its, yes. <laughs> um, either that specific droid or its make is also there and uh, ig88 as well which is funny like john favreau's like posting these various photos on his instagram and it's like is that the ig88 or is it just because ig88 is a droid and this astromech is a droid is it those exact characters or is it you know just you know a similar model kind of thing um right I mean, IG-88 would be cool, because obviously that makes sense. Oh, this was also one of the things, some of the other kind of podcasts and things I listen to have speculated that the Mandalorian can also start diving into the underworld, because that's something we really haven't seen. They kind of touched on it in Solo. But is this Underworld, like we've got, the, you know, the Rebellion, you got the Jedi, and then you've, you're not really here in this Underworld C D part. What about that? Do you think that could be possibly touched on?
1: Oh, most definitely. I mean, at, at this point, the majority of Mandalorians, especially if they're not on Concordia or whatnot, are basically all mercs for hire. Oh, Okay. So it would it it would it would not be it would not be something that would be uncommon, mm-hmm. if you were to in essence see a Mandalorian helping somebody else like, uh, uh, what is it, like uh, being like a hired gun for somebody
0: but that's so wonder, all
1: they would be it's not like they'd have any loyalty they don't have loyalty to the money
0: <laughs> yeah i'm wondering that if maybe they'll have a reputation that pre- precedes them that may oh, oh my god my brain's not going into like six different directions now but like it could be it could be a spun one of two ways it could be that mandalorians are like this really well-known thing and it's kind of like a, oh crap you know don't Everyone knows about them, or it could go in the route like sequel trilogy where everything's like, oh, I thought that was a myth because it just kind of fades into oblivion.
1: So, oh, well, it it fades into oblivion. But people remember the one main thing about Mandalorians and that they are Jedi killers. Hmm. Hmm. If you wanted to hunt a Jedi, and you didn't have another uh, a Sith available, yeah, <laughs> that was actually hunting it. You send in a Mandalorian if you wanted oh, okay. to hunt a Jedi.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited uh, for the Mandalorian to the point it's like saving up the pennies so I can uh, get that Disney Plus and things. But um, what what's like what's like your small coins called? In, is it just yin? Yen. Uh, yep. Yeah, it is yen. Okay. Because like here it's like, instead of sense, it's pence. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll spare everybody the American um, <laughs> expats getting used to being in foreign yep. countries. <laughs> so now we're going to dive into rebel ramblings, and we're going to kind of talk about um, gaming. Uh, me and Brian are both gamers. We do streaming and things like that. Um, My streams are predominantly Star Wars uh, Battlefront Two at the moment. But there's a new one coming out, which was um, the uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which was hilarious when it was announced at E3 last year. It was so awkward. Like, they literally... The guy was sitting down... The woman came over to the guy, and it was almost like it seemed like they were like, Oh, oh, sorry, you're talking to me, kind of thing. And he just kind of dropped it. I mean, there was no standing on stage, nothing, kind of thing. But this is officially coming out on. It's part of the, what they call, Force Friday, where it's like in October and three things are releasing. It's gonna be all the merchandise for episode nine, all the merchandise for the Mandalorian, and then this video game. So we're getting it the end of this year, and it is back into the third-person adventure gaming. So that's quite exciting. But the other reason why I wanted to get Brian on this episode was there's been rumors one of the most standalone games or stand-out games ever made by Star Wars is Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, And not the Old Republic, which is the online one that has come out a couple years ago. No. Knights of the Old Republic where it was an RPG game where you were, there was Carthornassi, Bastila Shan, which I can't believe there are people who don't say Bastila. I heard someone say Bastila. I was like, no, it's Bastila. That's how they say it in the game. But anyway. (laughs) Uh, Me and Brian, I remember I had this dinky little PC, and me and Brian literally sat shoulder to shoulder, and we just played the game together um, and would do the choices and things like that, and I think we even played it twice, because I think I played it yeah, once no, in No, we
1: played it... I was about to say, we played it twice. One light side, one dark side.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I think I remember... I, I know I finished it one time. I know I finished it the first time, on my own uh, towards the end, because I remember sitting in my parents' basement. So I must've been like on Christmas break or spring break or something. I was back in America for some reason and I was playing it on the computer down in the basement. But um, yeah, we have very much deep ties. So the reason why I brought Brian on is There's a panel happening at Star Wars Celebration where they're talking about obviously Jedi Fallen Order, but they also were saying there's another announcement. And the original developers of Knights of the Old Republic Bioware have also said, hey, we're interested in doing a Star Wars game again. So my Mm -hmm. question is, and something we can start discussing, with now things like the real game engine and things like that, it, it, I would I mean I know someone tried to do it I think it was you that showed me they tried to basically redo KOTOR in the real engine but then obviously Unreal, kind of, Unreal Engine? I think so or was it on it was an on a, it was on an engine of some sort and it uh, looked,
1: well because like uh, the majority of like the Star Wars game including like Battle Battlefront 2 The one that's on like PlayStation Four, the one that you stream, yeah. uh, That one is done on Frostbite. That's the engine that they use for that one there. And moving over to Unreal is it's not it's not um, it's not a I don't think it's a bad move. The funny thing is, is that like Frostbite is what uh, EA Games use, if I'm not mistaken, like EA BioWare use. Yeah. But moving over to Unreal is a little strange because that's Epic Games.
0: Well, it might not be that. I'm sorry. I, I'm definitely not in tuned with engines. I just know they basically took the old Kotor game and put it in one of these new engines that are being used, and now the right. old platforms. Well, I mean, like
1: Unreal Unreal Engine, uh, right now is used for games like Fortnite. Uh, yeah. Fortnite uses uh, Unreal Engine. Um, Dauntless is another one that uses Unreal Engine. Uh, is I that, mean, isn't
0: um, is isn't also the Mortal Kombat games Unreal? Go ahead. Is it the uh, Mortal Kombat games as well, Unreal Engine?
1: Uh, I am not a hundred percent sure, but then again, I don't think I've actually actively played a fighting game <laughs> since uh, Budokai on PlayStation Two.
0: I think we'll, we'll, okay, then post post this podcast, we need to remedy that somehow. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there's but, some fun of uh, like Mortal Kombat versus DC. That yeah, that that those are fun. But yeah, um, going back to like engines and things. So, um. I, I Would you want that? Would you want them to bring back this game, but with an updated look? Or would you want it to just be left alone and left to how we remember it?
1: Well, see the thing is is that I want them to bring it back, but my... my I, I don't want... this is not a worry, this is not anything like that. I'm just wondering what they're going to do with the art style, because like the cinematic version that you can use for, with Unreal Engine, can make things look super, uh, what is it, like crisp and clean? Mm. But require a lot more graphics power.
0: Mm. Well, or yeah. Let, let's let's could... play. Let's play Devil's Advocate. Let's say they do it in Frostbite. Let's forget Unreal because I feel like I've mm-hmm. accidentally. Let's say Frostbite. So let's say they because it's already in EA's hands. You know, BioWare mm-hmm. and everything. So let's say if they could do it through Frostbite, and mm-hmm. things like that. Now continue your thought. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Okay. Well, if they if they went through Frostbite, the only thing that I would worry about is bugs. <laughs> oh, okay. Because it seems enough. like it seems like Bioware, um, a lot of the stuff that they put out on Frostbite is it has a lot of bugs or has a lot of uh, of of things, and I don't know if it's necessarily the engine or if it is the, the, uh, the, the company's decisions and whatnot. But like right now I'm playing Anthem, and Anthem's run on Frostbite.
0: Is it? I and, was wondering about
1: that. Yep. And if, uh, what is it, if Anthem is any indication of what uh, Fallen Order would look like, it'll look pretty spectacular. And it will run pretty spectacular. And I'm pretty sure a lot of, like, the controls and how, like, the characters move and whatnot. The only thing is, is that I, I personally feel that Unreal Engine has a better cinematic view to hmm. it.
0: Okay, fair and enough.
1: And I think the one of the major reasons that they would switch to Unreal Engine for Fallen Order is that if they're going to have more cinematic cutscenes, they're mm. going to probably want them to be as crisp and as clean as possible. Yeah. And the other not- thing is... is Go ahead.
0: Could they not do it on both? I, I don't know how engines work.
1: So oh God, basically, an uh, in, an in engine is basically an engine is kind of like uh, a a car.
0: Oh, fair enough.
1: In the sense that, like like the engine, the uh, the like carburet transmission are all from this company, and then you put all of your ideas into it.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. So that makes sense. That that's why certain developers would have certain engines. Okay, so you right. couldn't you couldn't do like. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Plus, that it, would it get would be, a bit. It
1: would be it would be like trying to use Adobe Premiere and Final Cut at the exact same time.
0: Okay. Yeah. When you put into those terms, okay, makes my yeah. Okay, that was a silly question. That makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, it's kind of it's kind of like choosing which software you want to use to edit video. Mm. Uh, that that would probably have been a better better term to use for, for no, that. that, but no,
0: but that's fair. Yeah, okay. So but
1: I mean like Obi OB, Adobe Premiere has its plus sides. it has its downsides, final cut also Oof. same same thing. So I mean like the 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 thing the thing to remember is that usually one is good at doing one thing very well and you can probably see uh, like the game focus towards that one thing very well. Mm. While another one might do something else very well,
0: I say okay. Huh.
1: So the the my thing is is that like the majority of like frostbite like games and whatnot are usually designed for more multiplayer online stuff. Mm. You don't see a lot of single player stuff, but you see a lot of single player stuff coming out of uh, what is it Unreal Engine?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Cause yeah, I just, I know there was a, a story the other day that somebody, maybe this is where I was getting my engines mixed up, no pun intended, because of what I'm about to say. They redid, you know, the pod racing video game that was made mm-hmm. years ago. Somebody has basically ported that and has updated the graphics and the landscapes and things. It's free to download somewhere. Um, I'll try to put the links in the description down below um, and you can give it a try and things. And so one that gave me an idea for my streams that i'm now doing retro star wars games nights because there's a whole bunch of games i've just never played and now you can get them on the playstation and things like that but two it, it got me thinking and obviously then it got me thinking about kOTOR and then this rumor and bioware is kind of like yeah we'd like to do something that it's just like oh could it be coming back Do we want to just, you know, do we want to play a game that we already know the story, but see it in this much updated way? Or do we leave it alone and just play it like we can on our iPad or, you know, on our phone? I mean, I can't believe you remember this. It was four CD-ROMs. It took, like, two hours to download on a computer, and now it's like, ooh, hit an app, (laughs) and the game appears. It blows my mind. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, my 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 thing is is that like uh, with uh, with are they going to return to uh, turn base? Are they going to make it real time?
0: Oh, I never thought about that. Because oh, I would hope turn base. You could argue
1: you could mm. argue that um, uh, that the original Kotor Kotor is a uh, is a turn based game because you can stop time whenever yes. you want to make decisions. Yeah. But my thing is is that I don't think they're going to go with that. I think they're actually going to go full on uh real-time gameplay with it. Ooh.
0: What would that be like? Cuz I haven't really done like in an, an RPG kind of How how would that work? Like break it down for it, me it, like
1: it, it would it would probably be a, just a different system of button combinations. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you would learn, like, a new skill. Like, obviously you could learn, like, a whole bunch of different skills and whatnot. And they'll probably have it set up where you can only have, like, um, you can only use five skills in a certain mission, but you can learn as many as you want.
0: Uh, kind of like a, like a Bloodborne or a... Uh, oh, what's the other one? Oh, God. Yeah. Dark Souls kind of thing, where you have all these different yep. things you can enable and disable. And, okay. That...
1: Right, ooh. like... that that would probably be what it is so if you have somebody that just loves to use force lightning (laughs) they could make it (laughs) so that they could just use force lightning the whole time. (laughs)
0: Oh that was great because I remember you had like the three boxes and like one was like your melee one was like your gun and then you had your force powers. I remember that's what I hated about KOTOR 2 one I never finished the game because it crashed on me Um, two I didn't realize that you like had a whole spectrum of characters depending on your choices you made you never saw like there was one called like Disciple or something like that and he was like this light side looking white dude when I say white I don't mean skin color I mean literally physically colored white and I never saw him I was just like I never met you if I'm
1: not mistaken they they said that they wanted to set up the game so that you couldn't collect every single character (laughs) which that's fair yeah, like like each each gameplay, you could you could set it up to to collect these certain characters for uh, each run through.
0: Yeah, and I guess that gives that because nowadays with games and things, you need to have a replayable aspect to it. That's why a lot of these really top tier games have all these things, where, like these side missions where you have to collect things and whatnot, because it's like you got to get something to get someone to go back to the game, especially now when games are like 40, 60 pounds, or oh, I don't know what the price is over there, but yeah. yeah so it's,
1: it's 6,000 6, plus yen.
0: I don't know how you do the math conversions. Blah.
1: But um, well, basically, um, uh, if you think, uh, what is it? Uh, 100 yen equals a dollar.
0: Oh, okay. So then it would, that would be 4,000 yen. So we're talking 40 yen forty dollars kind of thing give or take yeah it yeah gotcha okay I can do some math <laughs> it's late um <laughs> so um and then yeah like I'm I'm interested that the um Jedi Fallen order I, I think that's the one thing like I, I'm seeing within like the Star Wars fan base there's kind of like not quite this divide, so I don't want people to be like, "No, there's not." But there's people like I can speak for myself that I love things Jedi, and then there are other people they like they're war over lore, as they say. So they want the battles, and so that's why like Battlefront is great because then you're fighting, you know, and hoth things like that. I'm really interested with this Jedi Fallen Order that it would be great that you know you have to almost you're. Do you know the premise of Jedi Fallen Order?
1: Uh, It's basically after, uh, what is it, Order 66? Correct. It takes place like directly after Order 66, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It does, correct. So that's going to be quite cool because... And I think that they say you're supposed to follow a... You're a Padawan. So that's cool that you're not really fully developed. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those... I heard someone say this in a different podcast where they were saying you know because your force powers aren't really developed like you could take on maybe one person like say one stormtrooper but then if there's three or i I guess yeah i'll be clone troopers technically whatever um that if it was up to three then you could be like toast so i i think there's some really cool stuff there and kind of you know do you high i don't know i'm really interested to see I can't even try to speculate like what this could be about but I'm, I'm really excited because I definitely think it's going to be a different direction for Star Wars games then because at the moment we just kind of have Battlefront and we've got some great kind of iPad games like Galaxy of Heroes I actually cracked open the other day but there's so much going on uh, I'm like if you don't stick with it all of a sudden you're like Oh my God, I need to do this to do that. Yeah. To do th- it's,
1: it's it's definitely a dungeon grinder. I played it for a bit.
0: Yeah, like it's quite cool because actually, going back to Kotork, going full circle, I literally saw something tonight on Twitter that they're bringing all the classic characters to that game. So you're going to get Bastila and you get like a fallen version, or you know when she goes dark or when she goes light, you get Revan, uh, all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah.
1: No, that's cool.
0: So yeah, Definitely so that. That's cool. So I might start playing again for that. But um, yeah, man, before Rey, Bastila Shand was like my girl because it's like there was never any like really cool female Jedi's out there, and um, that's why I think I really liked Bastila a lot. And the, you know the British accent didn't hurt and everything. But um, yeah, I'm kind of secretly hoping that Rey will have that double sided lightsaber. But uh, we'll mm-hmm. see and they be kind of cool because then you have Darth Maul in the first episode and then Rey with you know a double in episode 9 but yeah I digress so um, <laughs> <laughs> just so basically to close just wanted to say thank you to Brian for being on the show so um, let everybody know where can they find you and what, what are you up to and like various social things people can follow you on
1: well, I uh, do a travel channel called Guido TTJ. Uh, that's a J- Japan travel channel for the northeast part of Japan. Um, I also do a podcast which is kind of on hiatus right now, but um, I uh, also do streaming as well. Twitch is Desperado421 and you can find me on Twitch
0: awesome well i've been shannon this has been uh postcards from the galaxy's edge and you can find me and uh other people from the show on the usual things. so on twitter from from galaxy's edge on instagram and things like that links to brian and myself can be found in the description down below and thank you and we will speak to you next time